When the sun rises, it rises too. That symbol that represents a new. A new dawn, a new day, a new life. But for who? Because we're both living in strife. Both? Yes, both. We're two different people, yet we both raise the same fist to say we're equal, but not in their eyes and certainly not in mine. For centuries, we both have been blind, blind to the pigment that colors our skin, blind to the evidence that we share the same kin, blind to special treatment you've received from our masters. But does that treatment still exist? Go on and ask her. Ask the motherland if she sees us as two different groups. Ask her if she cares about your transparent veins filled with blue. Ask her to see if she notices your favoritism shown on the screens. Ask her about the favoritism shown in our historical fraternities. Ask her if she cares. Go on and ask her. Ask our mother. Ask her for the answer about are we not the same color. Hey everyone, welcome back to the No Questions Asked podcast. I'm your host, Sharin, and in today's episode, we are asking the question, are we not the same color? But before we get started, just a couple of reminders. No, I am not a therapist, I'm not a life coach, and I do not know everything because I have not experienced everything. Everything I say is based on my thoughts and or opinions unless I cite the information given. This is a place to get advice about certain things, for opinions to be shared, and obviously, for questions to be asked. So without further ado, let's get right to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to week or episode, <laughs> my bad, episode three of this podcast. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. Um, let me know what you guys did for Thanksgiving on Instagram. Like, you know, comment underneath today's post. If you don't know my Instagram, I will tell you at the end of this episode, so stick around. But anyway, we're going to get right into today's episode. The poem that you guys heard in the beginning that was written by yours truly. Yes, I write poetry every now and then, but I want to to write a poem that for this episode because I think this episode is very important and I think specifically for black people and I'm saying that nobody else can listen to it if you want to listen to it go ahead and listen to it but I'm just saying this this episode is definitely focused around the black community so I hope for my black listeners I hope you guys are paying really close attention today to today's episode because you're going to learn a lot and if you are not of the black ethnicity or race rather you are still more than welcome to learn something from this because this is also relevant to you. So many people think that racism is the main problem we face as a community, but there's another giant and underlying problem that we face and that is colorism. So what is colorism? Glad you asked. Colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. In other words, favoring light skinned over dark skin. The history of colorism dates back to slavery. Light-skinned slaves would get better treatment than dark-skinned slaves, so they would get to work inside the slave's master's home and have better living conditions. By the way, um, this episode is going to be a mixture of facts and my own thoughts. So, And there's three sources today, so I'll make sure to put all of them in the description box so you guys can check it out yourselves. But getting back into it. According to Very Well Mind, light-skinned blacks had similar European features and were the closest to being white, quote-unquote. Things that were associated with colorism, there's many things that you guys may have heard of or they might even still take place to this day, I'm not sure, but um, these are the four that I found. The first one is the one-drop rule. This was a 1662 Virginia law that addressed mixed-race slaves. Basically, if at least one of your ancestors were black, you were considered black. This can be related to some people's idea of mixed people being considered black instead of biracial. So, actually, um, 
this actually like reminded me of something that I heard back in middle school where it's like somebody said if you're 10% black then you're black but it's just like that's not 100% true because those other races are involved so yeah the second one is blue vein societies because light-skinned blacks were being favored by white people they started to feel superior within the black society the article quotes a dark-skinned individual not only faces discrimination from white society but will also be discriminated against by black society end quote there would be clubs created by light-skinned blacks for light-skinned blacks these were known as the blue vein societies because in order to be admitted you had to be light enough to see the blue veins in your skin when I read this, I actually tested it out. Like, I looked at myself and did it, um, and I'm doing it right now. I don't think I would have been admitted. Nah. I'm not, like, dark-skinned, but I'm not, like, light-skinned either. I'm, like, that. Me and my sisters like to go off of, like, <laughs> like different types of chocolate or peanut butter. So my sisters always say, yeah, you're, like, a milk-chocolate-peanut butter mixed. <laughs> it's, like, a fun thing that we do. But, but anyway, getting back into it, yeah, I don't think I would have been admitted because... I can't see my veins through my skin. So anyway, moving on. The third one. I think you all may know this one. The paper bag test. This was a way to grant access into churches, nightclubs, and fraternities. If your skin was lighter than the paper bag, you were admitted. Fun fact. Howard University uses method for fraternities. Our own HBCUs were discriminate towards our own people. Shocker, right? And then lastly is the doll test. You guys may know this one too. There would be a black doll and a white doll in front of a child, and the experimenter would ask the child different questions as to which doll is the prettiest or is it good. The child would always point to the white doll for the good answers and the black doll for the bad answers. So, as you can see, this has been something that's been taking place for a very, very long time, and even recently, well, not recently, because I was shown a video of the doll test back in 10th grade, so that was about four years ago. And it was like, it, that video was taking place in like the early thousands or whatnot. But as you can see, it's still happening or at least being tested today. Colorism is not only seen in the black community, but also in the Asian and Latino communities. The article quotes, colorism can occur intraracially, intraracially which means within groups, and interracially or across ethno-racial groups. It can manifest both interpersonally and systemically, end quote. Light-skinned blacks are actually are actually treated better in society than dark-skinned blacks. When it comes to job opportunities, education, and relationships, light-skins always have the upper hand. In a way, they don't have to work too much as a dark-skinned would. It was said that the gap between light and dark-skinned blacks is more pronounced than the, than the black and white gap. Surprisingly, colorism can be seen in the white community. That shocked me there, and this is what the article said. Uh, there wasn't much on it, but they mentioned something about brain activity and how dark-skinned whites had more significant amygdala activity than light-skinned whites. Basically, the amygdala is a part of the brain that that processes potential threats, emotions from different stimuli such as sensory, social, and emotions. I don't entirely know what that that thing meant, but I mean, if you want to do your research on that to like figure it out, you're more than welcome to. So getting into my own thoughts on this topic, I know that we are all focused on the social injustice within our country and having the Black Lives Matter movement, but what about the struggle within the black community itself? One thing that I noticed is how we make claims about which shade of black is beautiful, and then recently we are starting to realize that, you know, all shades, all shades of black are beautiful. And, you know, it's a good thing because occasionally you'll see posts on Instagram that highlight dark-skinned girls and recognize them for their beauty within our community. Or you'll um, 
see people talk about their body features such as their nose their lips curves hair all they all have to be like they all have to deal with a certain standard to be claimed beautiful or handsome and it's just like why we may all have the same features but they make us unique individually and then another thing that plays a big role is hair hair is something that we need to embrace as a community instead of envying one another's hair um i know for me personally with my my experience with hair i have locks they're not called dreadlocks, okay? Dreadlocks is what white people used to call our hair as a way to mean that it's like dreadful and ugly and my hair's not dreadful. It's actually beautiful. Thank you very much. But anyway, so I've had my own struggles with locks and um, I actually faced colorism when it came to my hair. This was back when I was like, I want to say nine or 10 years old. Um, I went to a dance company and a dance company was predominantly black like basically everybody in there was black there maybe have been like one or two white kids in there but it was all black and we were doing uh our we we're going our through our recital practice and our recital themed was cinderella and we like put our own twist to it so there was this one scene or one dance routine in the in the recital where we were playing like acting like we were at a hair at a hair salon, getting our hair done, getting our nails done, whatnot. And my age group, we were playing the kids to the um, to the older age group who are who are supposed to be our moms. And um, you know, at this rate, I've learned the entire dance. Like I got it down, I memorized it, I'm doing good with it and whatnot. And when it comes to the dress rehearsal, um, my teachers talk about taking me out of it because they think that because I have locks and I've had locks since I was since I was six years old. Because I had locks, they thought I couldn't style my hair the way that the other girls could because the other girls didn't have locks, you know? They could put braids in, they could put a weave in, they could just leave their natural hair out. So they were trying to take me out of it. My mom literally had to stand up for me and say, hold up, she can do this with her hair. Like, like the hairstyle they were trying to do was a bun. And they were like, she can do a bun? And my mom was like, yes, yeah, she can do a bun. Like, it, like, locks is not that different from, like, natural hair, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing almost. It's just it's just a difference it's a it's his own style within itself so that was my encounter with colorism I ended up being a part of the routine I did have to wear a hair attachment because at the end of the at the last minute they went from wearing a bun to you know having straight hair and it's like I could have just left my hair in a ponytail but whatever uh, I'm not about to be kicked out of a dance because of my hair but anyway um, you may have other heard, you may have also heard stories similar to this about how some people had to cut their hair because they weren't allowed to either play, play or work with that hairstyle. And it's just like, that's hair discrimination. And honestly, like that kind of falls under the line of colorism because why does my hair have to influence whether or not I can do something? You know what I'm saying? It makes no sense. So amongst our community, our hair journey is different than from one another, but it is still beautiful. So it doesn't matter if you have a fro or if you have locks or you like wearing braids or whatever your hair is your hair and appreciate that own it another thing that goes into colorism is black on black crime and that does exist and i know many people don't agree with that but it does the same anger we have towards the innocent killings of black men done by white cops is the same anger we should have when one of us is killed by our own kind most of the time it is done over petty things such as money relationships name calling name calling etc we can't, ex we can't expect the world to respect us if we can't expect each other. And I actually saw this video. Um, I forgot who the artist was. He was a rapper, though. And he mentioned how he doesn't support Black Lives Matter because it's kind of like contradicting what we do within our own community. It's like it can't be Black Lives Matter when it's another race killing us, but then it means nothing when we kill each other. You know what I'm saying? And he made a good point. But that's a conversation I don't think many people are ready for, but 
I think it's definitely one that we should start addressing, that we should start talking about. Colorism in television. This is something that I really want to hone in on within this episode. The conversation about diversity in Hollywood is a conversation that has been taking place for years. However, the representation of black people in movies has increased over time, but it is still not good enough. Light-skinned actresses are dominating the screens compared to their dark-skinned co-stars. Now, this may have changed over time because, like, The Woman King, which is such a... Oh my god, the movie is so amazing. And then also Black Panther 2. Two great movies that really highlight the beauty of black. And I'm just talking about light skin, black skin, dark skin. I'm talking about, like, just our our race as a whole, our culture as a whole. Oh my god. Those are some great movies. If you've never seen them before, go check them out. But... And, but anyway, getting back into it, in most movies and shows, the light-skinned woman is guaranteed a better life by having a good job, stable relationship, and problems that are resolved as their character develops. As for dark-skinned characters, they're normally seen as a supporting character to that main, to the main character. So think about it. How often do we see the ghetto funny friend who has secret issues or the black mama therapist who has a terrible past, right? The representation of dark-skinned women have, have decreased over time. During the 90s, shows like Moesha or Sister Sister represented dark-skinned women and they were the main characters. But with shows from today, such as Euphoria or Grownish, we once again see the main character as a light-skinned woman. And it's nothing against Zendaya and Yara Shahidi, because Yara Shahidi, I'm sorry if I said her name wrong. They are both amazing actresses. I personally love them. I am a huge fan of Zendaya because I love the show Euphoria. Oh my god, it's so good. But it's like they're not always representing the the shade of black that we would like to see if that makes sense and i'm not again not dissing them for their careers they're amazing actresses absolutely love them but it's like you know half the time we barely see shows where a dark-skinned girl is in that leading role you know what i'm saying a key part of colorism that is constantly repeated in shows are the pairing of dark-skinned man is the pairing of a dark-skinned man with a light-skinned woman examples of, examples of this is the proud or the proud family martin blackish a different world you get the idea. Each main couple in these shows are a dark-skinned man married to a light-skinned woman. The wife would always keep the man grounded as if black men are bound to react abruptly to a situation and relies on the woman to keep things stable. An example, so I actually got this this um, this part right here from one of the sources. It's an article on colorism within uh, uh, TV shows and movies. So if you want to check it out, you are more than welcome to. An example of the narrative being flipped is in the show Star. For those of you that don't know what Star is, Star was a show that came on a couple of years ago. It recently got canceled, which I'm so mad because the way it ended, it left us on a cliffhanger. And I really want to know what happened to Star's baby. Like that, bro, it irritated me. Sorry. But anyway, get back into it. So in, this, in the show, um, Alex, who was played by Ryan Destiny, she is absolutely beautiful. She's a dark-skinned woman who was dating Derek, played by Quincy Jones, who was a light-skinned man. However, Alex came from fame, but it affected her parents' relationship, thus resulting in a divorce. Once again, another dark-skinned woman who can't seem to have it all despite coming from success. And that's me being nitpicky, but it's just like, why are her parents gotta be divorced? You know what I'm saying? Like, why can't she just be someone who came from success and her parents are successful within their careers and in their marriage? I don't get it. Derek, on the other hand, he didn't come from anything, but he had this drive to change the neighborhood he lived in and protect it from police brutality. So what we see on television can actually be seen in everyday life. As much as we don't want to, we can't help but to have some type of favoritism towards light-skinned people. And I, I will admit that. 
I would low-key be jealous of light-skinned girls in grade school because they would just draw so much attention. Like, everyone wanted to be their friends or date them. Not sure if it was just because of their skin, color, or personality, but it was something that just attracted your attention to them, you know? And as I mentioned earlier, they're privileged in the eyes of society. They get paid more than dark-skinned people, have better education, activities, and are less likely to go to prison. They are basically black, but with an advantage. And what I mean by that is how... You know, because already being black is a struggle with with anything that we go through is a struggle. But I feel like if you know, if you're light skinned, it's like, OK, you're not you know, you're not you're not you wouldn't be identified as that black man with a hood on and being suspicious or the the hood, loud, ghetto, single mom, dark skinned black woman. You know what I'm saying? That That's what I'm trying to get out here. So moving on to the relationship aspect. We are all entitled to our preferences when it comes to relationships, but if you are dating someone, in this case a light-skinned person, because you don't want your children to be dark or you think light-skinned men or women are better looking, you are colorist. If you date someone who is lighter than you, it should, be, it should be because you like them for who they are as a person, not because of their skin complexion. And I've actually heard this from some people in the past who, like, who've had their own testimonies of they encounter people who are like, oh, well, I don't like dark-skinned girls, or like, I want to go with the light skin because I don't want my babies to be dark. And it's just like, what is wrong with you? Like, you do realize what you're saying is not any better than what a racist would be saying, right? You're a colorist. And it's sad because, you know, dark dark-skinned females are are considered to not be the face of beauty unfortunately but like I said I think us as a community we're moving from that it's starting to get better but I don't like me personally I I don't want it to constantly be like oh let's let's represent dark-skinned women dark-skinned women need love too and it's just like no let's just make it a whole communal thing you know let's let's not just focus on a different individual parts of being black black is black okay like like the song, uh, what's it called by Beyonce? It's, it's, uh, I want to say it's, um, oh, Alien Superstar. I think it might be Alien Superstar. But, like, where you're, like, where the guy says, I'm dark brown, dark skin, light skin, beige, fluorescent beige, B, I'm black. You know, that's, that's what I want to say sometimes. But anyway, going back to the whole testimony part, most women have been told that they are pretty for a dark skin girl. And why does that saying exist exactly? Like, a dark-skinned girl should be pretty just because she is pretty, regardless if she's dark-skinned or not. This kind of goes goes hand-in-hand with, like, you know, what we see on TV. In makeup and clothes commercials, you normally see light-skinned women as the models. Dark-skinned models are being are beginning to make an appearance. And, and it's sad because, again, black is black. Like, represent the whole, the whole community. Represent the whole race, okay? Now, flipping the conversation, colorism affects light-skinned people, too. And I'm going to explain this. They're typically called red bone, light bright, and high yellow. They are also more likely to be alienated by their darker counterparts because they are favored more than them. So with, with this in mind, as a black community, we need to abolish colorism. The same way we want to abolish racism, colorism needs to be right behind it. This is another form of discrimination that white people have created and it's dividing our community, dictating our standards of beauty, and influencing our choices in relationships. They already have a hold on us with racism that is loosening, well, barely loosening. Every now and then the the grip loosens. But it's time to get rid of the colorism hold as well. We can do this by having conversations, using our privileges, and challenge industries and businesses that refuse to acknowledge dark-skinned people. So going into the take it or leave it segment, I have a I have a couple of points here for you guys, but I really want you to like take them into consideration. The first one, 
Learn about colorism. It is a part of our history and important for us to move beyond it. Point two, do not make comparisons for all shades of black are beautiful. Point number three, dark skin and light skin people are equally beautiful, okay? Point number four, use your privilege to bring awareness to businesses, industries, and, and other companies. Point number five, make your relationship about who the person is rather than their skin complexion. And point number six, end colorism. And finally, guys, to end off this episode is the question quote. The question is not whether we are able to change, but whether we are changing fast enough. And that was said by Angela Merkel. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and what I said. This is a, an important conversation that we need to have as a generation and as a black community. So I hope you all learn something from it. If you did like this episode and you want to know what's coming up next with this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at NoQuestionsAskedPod. If you guys have any questions, suggestions, or constructive criticism, you are more than welcome to email me at NoQuestionsAskedPod at gmail.com. And lastly, guys, to close this episode, don't forget to ask it anyway. That is the motto for this podcast. No question is too big. No question is too small. And all questions should be addressed where they can bring change to our community. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll see you all next week. 